There he goes. One of God's own prototypes. A high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to episode 112 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for the week of October 19th, 2009. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking you along on our excellent adventures through the world of short Masonic educational papers. As you're all aware, these papers are available at the website, www.thedigitalfreemason.com, and I encourage you to swing by and check out this and all others. So with the advent of Remembrance Day coming up here in the next couple weeks, I thought I'd maybe try and get something out a little bit earlier. And I was directed to this piece by uh, Christopher Hodap, who is the author of Freemasons for Dummy, and found a link to this article, which comes from the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum in Washington, D.C., and talks about some of the things that happened mostly leading up to the uh, start of World War II and how Freemasons were involved in it. So we'll get going with this piece called Freemasonry Under the Nazi Regime. When the Nazis came to power, policy towards the Freemasons was equivocal. Efforts to eliminate the Freemasons did not receive top priority. Those lodges that espoused tolerance and equality and had international connections or connections through their leaders to the social democrats or liberal democrats were subject to persecution and often pressured into voluntary dissolution. A few conservative German lodges that were willing to accommodate themselves to the regime were able to continue some form of existence for only a little longer. Nevertheless, the regime intended to exclude those who refused to give up their Masonic connections. In early 1934, the chief of the Nazi party court system ruled that Masons, who did not leave their lodges prior to January 30, 1933, could not join the Nazi party. That same month, Prussian Minister of the Interior, Hermann Göring, issued a decree calling upon the lodges to voluntarily dissolve, but required such voluntary actions to be submitted to him for approval. In addition, lodges and their branches in the various cities throughout Germany were exposed to arbitrary violence from local SS and SA units, though this terror did not appear to have been centrally directed. Increasing pressure in the public and professional sectors forced these individuals to choose between remaining in their lodge or limiting their career opportunities. Many former lodge members held positions in the civil service and were forced or harassed into retirement. In May 1934, the Minister of Defense banned membership in lodges to all personnel, soldiers and civilian employees. During the summer of 1934, after Heinrich Himmler and Reinhold Heydrich completed their takeover and centralization of the Gestapo, which was the German police force, it forcibly closed down many Masonic lodges and branch headquarters of Masons and confiscated their assets, including their libraries and archives. On October 28, 1934, the Reich Minister of the Interior, Wilhelm Frick, issued a decree defining the lodges as hostile to the state, and hence subjects to having their assets confiscated. Finally, on August 17, 1935, setting the authority of the Reichstag fire decree, Frick ordered all remaining lodges and branches dissolved and their assets confiscated. Nazi propaganda continued to link Jews and Freemasons. Julius Streitzer's virulent publication, Der Strömer, or The Assault Trooper, repeatedly printed cartoons and articles that attempted to portray a Jewish Masonic conspiracy. Freemasonry also became a particular obsession of the Chief of Security Police and SD, 
Reinhard Heydrich, who counted the Masons, along with Jews and the political clergy, as the most implacable enemies of the German race. In 1935, Hedrick argued for the need to eliminate not only the visible manifestations of these enemies, but to root out from every German the indirect influences of the Jewish spirit, a Jewish liberal and Masonic infectious residues that remain in the unconscious of many, and above all in the academic and intellectual world. Hedrick created a special section of the SS Security Service, Section 2.111, to deal specifically with Freemasonry. The SD was particularly interested, as its personnel believed that Freemasonry exercised actual political power, shaped public opinion through control of the press, and was thus in a position to provoke war, subversion, and a revolution. Later, Section 7b1 of the Reich Security Main Office had an amalgamation of the SD and the security police formed in 1939 and took over the section devoted to investigating Freemasonry. As Nazi Germany prepared for war in 1937 and 38, the regime relaxed pressure on the rank and file of the dissolved lodges. Hitler amnestied members of the rank and file who announced their formal loyalties in the April of 1938, and efforts were made in the public sector to decide on continued employment of former lodge members on a case-by-case basis. Many civil servants who had been forced to retire due to their Masonic connections were recalled into service after the war began, and a ban on former Masons serving in the Wormholt, even at the officer rank, was relaxed. The Nazi party continued to ban former Masons from membership, though exceptions were made after 1938 in both the Nazi party and even in the SS. As they conquered Europe, the Germans forcibly dissolved Masonic organizations and confiscated their assets and documents wherever they established an occupational regime. After a lodge was closed, it was ransacked for membership lists, important library and archival items, furnishings, and other cultural artifacts. Items seized would be sent to the appropriate German agency, primarily the SD, and later the RSHA. As part of their propaganda campaign against Freemasonry, the Nazis and other local right-wing organizations mounted anti-Masonic exhibitions throughout occupied Europe. German-occupied Paris hosted an anti-Masonic exhibition in October of 1940, as did German-occupied Brussels in February of 1941. Displaying Masonic ritual and cultural artifacts stolen from lodges, such exhibitions aimed to ridicule and direct hatred towards Freemasons and to heighten fear of a Jewish Masonic conspiracy. German wartime propaganda, particularly in the army, charged that the Jews and Masons had provoked World War II and were responsible for the policies of the U.S. President Franklin Roosevelt, who was identified as a Freemason. Some of Germany's Axis partners decreed police and discriminatory measures against the Masons. In August 1940, the Vichy France regime issued a decree declaring Masons to be enemies of the state and authorizing police surveillance of them. The French wartime authorities even created a card file that identified all members of the Grand Orient of France, which was a leading French Masonic organization. The card file survived the war and was later microfilmed for the holdings of the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum Archives. In 1942, Alfred Rosenberg was authorized by a Hitler decree to wage an intellectual war against the Jews and Freemasons. To that end, Hitler permitted Rosenberg's deployment staff of the Reich leading Rosenberg to seize and evaluate Masonic archives and libraries to best equip them to carry out 
a methodical, intellectual fight that was a necessity to win the war. The members of the ERR were guaranteed the support of the high command of the German armed forces in fulfilling their mission. After the end of World War II, vast collections of Masonic archives and library collections that had been seized by German authorities were captured, in turn, by Allied and Soviet forces. For example, a significant Masonic archive was found in Silesia in eastern Germany by Soviet troops in the last days of World War II. The Soviet authorities shipped the records to Moscow, where they were held in secret archives. Other Masonic-related materials were recovered in Poland. Some of this material has been microfilmed and stored in the archives of the museum. Since the end of the Cold War, many Masonic-related collections have been returned to their country of origins, while others continue to be held in foreign repositories. Because many of the Masons who were arrested were also Jews and or members of the political opposition, it is not known how many individuals were placed in the Nazi concentration camps and or were targeted only because they were Freemasons. Some former Lodge members, as individuals, participated in or were associated with German resistance circles and some were arrested and murdered during World War II. So that's a quick little piece that was put together and was uh, pulled off the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum website. It, it doesn't really sort of dig a lot into details as to uh, the number of Masons that were uh, prosecuted or murdered under the Nazi regime, but uh, taking a quick look at Wikipedia, they estimate between 80,000 and 200,000 Freemasons were murdered under the Nazi regime, which uh, is quite a large number when you consider the number of Masons that may have been floating around in uh, Europe at that time. So a pretty good percentage of them. So that's something that you may want to think about and do a little bit of research onto it as we come up on the next few weeks into Remembrance Day and think about uh, some of our brothers and what they were done, what had happened to them as they were persecuted as part of a, uh, the Nazi regime. So I've been your host, Scott. I've enjoyed our time together. And by all means, drop me a line, uh, podcast at thedigitalfreemason.com. And I always encourage you to email me. I love having them and I always love responding back in the conversations that ensue. And always looking for donations. If you're able to do that, you can click on the donate button. And every little bit of that goes to defraying the costs of hosting this website and uh, the podcasts free of charge. So until next time, be sure to keep this shiny side up.